Where do we even start? A conversation about fashion, starting a career, and being a 20-something with hosts Alex, Chloe, and Erica. Welcome back to Where Do We Even Start? Today's episode is an exciting one because we're starting our fast fashion series. We decided that we have so much to talk about for fast fashion. We're going to break it up into a few episodes. So today we're focusing on the fast fashion system and the economy kind of side of it. Yeah. So let's get started with our this or that. It's this or that. Today's this or that, because we're all sweating recording today, is beach <laughs> or pool. Oh, beach. Beach. Same all the things <laughs> I do to be at the beach right now. The ocean Ugh. water is so much better than the pool water. I'm a lake girl, but yeah. Any Oh yeah, lake water is good too. So we're gonna start this episode off with a bit of an overview if you're kind of unfamiliar with what fast fashion and that terminology could mean. So basically fast fashion is inexpensive designs that are made more quickly from catwalk to retail stores. Brands often have 52 seasons. That's a new season of product every single week. Um, They're often overproduced, hyper trendy clothes that are poor quality how the fast fashion system came to be, which I think is a really important way to get this combo going. Um, So briefly, before the 1800s, fashion was considered slow fashion and everyone kind of had to source their own materials and create their own clothes. Then come the industrial revolution, which brought lots of technology, most importantly, the sewing machine. So then, by the 60s and 70s, people began creating trends and fashion became more of a form of personal expression than it had before. Moving into the 90s and 2000s, online shopping took off and then fast fashion retailers began popping up everywhere and people loved the easy, cheap, trendy clothes. And then another big event in the creation and disruption of this system was April 24th, 2013, when Rana Plaza, the factory collapsed and more than 1,100 people died and 2,500 injured. Mm -hmm. And I think something to add on to that idea of how fast fashion came to be is the creation of synthetic fibers and materials. Yeah, Yeah. gross thinking about it, but I don't think fast fashion that was Industrial Revolution, too, wasn't it? No, that was the 60s. This is editing Chloe, just popping in to give you a little bit of history behind synthetic materials. Synthetic materials were created between 1935 and 1966, with the first invention being nylon and polyester coming onto the scene in 1941. And finally, spandex was created in 1959. 
synthetic fibers really, really helped because you can make things cheap and they were easy to take care of. People could throw them in the washer, dryer, and they didn't have to worry about ruining their clothes. And this was super appealing to people because it meant that you didn't have to really take care of them and you could kind of treat your clothes like trash in a way. Yeah. And I think that there is a big difference between now and the mid um, 20th century with ready to wear versus made to order. Because Mm -hmm. back in the day, they would order from a company, they would order through a company through a catalog, Mm -hmm. and the, the outfit or the garment would be made after it had been purchased versus now garments are created, sent to stores or sent to warehouses, and then people will purchase them, which creates Mm -hmm. a large amount of product that is unsold Mm -hmm. and sits either in, in big warehouses and is taking up electricity and supplies Mm -hmm. and space or it's being sent to the landfill. Yeah, or it's being burned. Um, yes. Just lots of terrible things happen to clothes that people don't buy. Jumping in then, and I think we'll touch on more of that. Coming up, okay. but what was your guys' perspective of fast fashion system before you were a fashion student? And then we'll kind of move into how it changed. I mean, for me, coming into school, thinking about, like, my high school life, I definitely was aware that there were issues within fast fashion, things like um, not having living wages and um, just, like, the working conditions, but I don't think I was really fully aware of how bad the situation was, and since I was a teenager, I was always looking to buy, like, cheap, trendy clothes, so it didn't really bother me knowing that they were produced poorly and that people were being treated equally because at the end of the day, I wanted to buy clothes and I wanted to keep up with trends and I wanted my friends to think that I had the best clothes and all of those things. Uh, for me, coming from a small town, I we only had two clothing stores in our city and the closest places that we could go shopping were either 15 minutes away or about 45 minutes away and I didn't understand the concept of fast fashion and slow fashion. I genuinely just thought that it was all clothes for the longest time until probably like 16 years old. And I was starting to get really into fashion and I finally understood because that was all that was accessible to me, which is interesting because small towns and smaller areas are typically known for like small craftsmanship and slow fashion and that type of thing. But I had no access to that. And as a kid and a student, working minimum wage jobs that's all that I was able to afford anything else was not even in my not even in my view of what I could physically purchase Mm -hmm. 
And I think kind of to add on to what Chloe's saying and a bit of what I was saying, um, the high school mentality is more of quantity over quality of clothing. High school kids, just like in general, kind of stereotypically, at least when we were in high school, really cared about being able to wear a different dress to every outing with your friends and never wearing the same thing twice. And, you know, like that's, I think the mentality is changing um, with people that are in high school currently and people growing up right now, but it's still very much that sense of you need to be on trend, you need to have the newest things, you never wear something twice. From what I, yeah, from what I know now, I'm super ashamed to say that I don't think I wore uh, the same dress to a school dance twice ever. Oh, I have to I agree, would- I never did. I would go out and buy one because it was, like, a special occasion. I know. Mm-hmm. So I'll chip into the answering my own question. Because I have a completely different answer than you guys. I'm surprised. Because we grew up kind of close together. Um, definitely in middle school. So, like, 12 to 15? Um I was a fast fashion shopper, always kind of thrifted though with my mom. Um, And then in grade 10, I saw the true cost. My sewing teacher showed it to me and that's when my paranoia began. And I I focused a lot on brands I was shopping at. American Apparel was super super accessible to me at the time. So I shopped a lot there and um, thrifted and consigned a lot. Um, so I think entering fashion school, it was very much on my radar. Totally. And it was on my radar as I was getting more into fashion design. And like later on in high school, I was very cognizant of it. But before that point, it was kind of like ignorance is bliss. And I just, I had the money. I would shop at places where I liked the clothes and it was affordable and I wouldn't think past me handing the clerk my money and taking it home. Yeah. And I think kind of the same thing for me, like in high school, Alex, I definitely thrifted, but I think that was more to like, what is the word? Like help, not help my shopping habits. Cause I liked to buy things and I like to spend my money on clothes. It would supplement. Um, Yes, supplements the word. Supplement all of my fast fashion buying. And I think that in grade 11 was really the time that I started realizing that I didn't want to shop fast fashion, but I was still in that point in my life where I made minimum wage. I didn't make a lot of money and I still wanted to dress cute. And then it was just like not knowing how to escape the cycle of being in fast fashion because you're so used to having things be cheap and accessible that you don't want to change your ways necessarily. It's completely changing your mentality of almost how you were like raised and not necessarily like raised by your parents, but how you were raised by society Mm -hmm. of what shopping was and what you were expected to wear and how you were expected to be a consumer. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just expected to buy things. You're always expected to have the trendy clothes, not wear the same dress kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
I think the way um, we answered that question kind of answers my follow-up of how fashion school made us more conscious of it. It is a topic that comes up in every conversation and something we're always thinking about um, Mm -hmm. to avoid that system. I don't want to answer that for you guys, but yeah, I would definitely fashion concern. Yeah, I would definitely say like after our first semester of university, I basically didn't buy clothes for a full year because I had so much guilt (laughs) about buying clothes from a fast fashion company like I this summer I finally bought clothes because I realized that none of my clothes fit me and that was a huge issue like I was trying to put my clothes on I couldn't do up zippers and I couldn't get my shoulders through things and I was like yes it's good to not over consume but at the same time you need to have clothes that fit you so it's kind of finding that balance of having enough clothes that fit you but not over consuming to the point where it's like you have 12 of the same sweater in different colors you know a hundred percent and I think for me personally it was a huge eye-opener to see how much the clothes that were just sitting in my closet were impacting impacting the environment and impacting and helping the fashion industry or the fast fashion industry Mm -hmm. it is it's disgusting and it makes me feel icky when I would look at those clothes and realize that those have been in the hands of child laborers that Mm -hmm. people aren't paid ethical wages that some that that garment was meant to catch my attention and make me feel the urgency to buy it at that moment mm-hmm. when really did I need it? I may have, yeah. but the possibility of that is so much lower than me just choosing to buy it. And you transition perfectly. Um, thinking about where the clothes are made in fast fashion companies, always overseas at low wages like you mentioned um why is or why do you guys think fast fashion is lower quality why does it why is it intended to be that way why does it end up that way and where are the corners cut um i think the biggest thing for fast fashion companies is that they have a lower quality standard than other companies do so all companies have different tolerance for what their garments are allowed to be in one size so maybe yeah and they can vary so at a designer place maybe it can vary by like an eighth of an inch but at fast fashion they might let a seat like the bottom hem of a shirt vary half an inch to an inch And I think that's where you see a lot of those quality issues. And that's also why when you go to some fast fashion companies and you buy a large shirt in black and then you buy the same large shirt in white, they don't fit the same. It's because their their tolerance standards are so big that the same size doesn't, it's actually not the same size in every single piece that they create. Another big problem of why... um not the quality, but the costs are so low, 
is because of the unfair wages and the lack of care for the employees. And that's why I think if someone is used to buying clothes in the fast fashion system for inexpensive prices, they're shocked to see a slow fashion brand charging so much for their pieces, but that's because they pay for their um, workers to have a fair living. Mm -hmm. I think some of the places that corners are cut, like you said, Alex, is with the treatment of people. And I think that kind of goes into the pressure that we put on our supply chains when mm -hmm. we work with fast fashion, which is something that we're going to be covering more in another episode, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I just wanted to touch on hours, quotas, and the race to, to the bottom. Um, as fast fashion companies are putting in orders to have garments cut and sewn, these factory owners are pushed to their limits and they have to have their employees work later hours, work longer with less breaks to meet these quotas. Um, and to be able to meet these quotas, they have to try and do everything in the least amount of time possible, which in the end brings down the end cost of the garment, mm -hmm. which is where the race to last place kind of comes in with the race to the cheapest clothing. Everybody's mm -hmm. looking to produce the cheapest amount of clothing. So as we look for more cheaper ways to produce clothing, we're putting pressure on those factory owners to work longer hours, mm -hmm. make their workers work harder, less, uh, less breaks and downtime. And mm -hmm. that's how things like Rana Plaza occur and the fires in Bangladesh. And I think something to add on to your point, Chloe, is that not all workers actually get paid hourly wages. A lot of workers get paid by the piece in the fast fashion industry. And some people will think that getting paid by the piece, you would make more money, but often you get paid maybe a penny per piece. And that means that you have to make things faster to make more money, to be able to feed your family, to be able to afford rent. So if you're trying to make things faster and you have low quality standards, you're going to let things slip because at the end of the day, you have to support yourself. And if they're still going to let you slip on the quality, I think it would. I would honestly do it if I was trying to feed myself and my family because how else are you supposed to make your living when they're paying you a penny per piece and that's all you know how to do like you, your livelihood is sewing and you can't do anything else it's kind of a vicious cycle and also the getting paid by the piece i think people are lowering how much they get paid by the piece right now because of that whole idea of people want cheaper clothes they want things to be more accessible to them. And a lot of the times the workers are what are getting cut. They're being told that you have to make it for like less money now because this is just what you're getting. They don't really get an option. I wish I had the statistics for mm -hmm. a percentage of people in Asia who are part of the garment industry or in the world too. Is it not one third of the world is employed in the fashion industry? I think so. Not true. 
One in every six people in the world work in the fashion industry. Okay, um, but a lot of the world is employed in the fashion industry, whether it be in factory or design. Um, so obviously it plays a big part in the economy. So what do you guys think the economy would look like without fast fashion from a North American perspective, I think? That's a I really think, tough question. I know. I honestly dream. think everyone would have way less clothing. Um, just because clothing would be less accessible to people. Mm-hmm. It would have a higher and value. You mm-hmm. You wouldn't be willing to do those little after-work shopping trips once a week or whatever to pick up a new piece of clothing. Um, I think it'd be a lot more strategic, like it was in the 1900s, where mm-hmm. you don't get you had, tons of clothes every month. It's a few you had like year. You had like ten pieces of clothing in your whole wardrobe, including shoes. I think. I think that clothing would be would be looked at like. I don't know, for example, like diamond rings, like you wouldn't, you're not going out shopping on a Friday afternoon with the girls or with your friends to just go buy eight diamond rings. It's a conscious Mm -hmm. purchase that you are, you have a need that you are fulfilling and it's not Mm -hmm. just frivolous purchasing. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the reason I brought that topic up was also because I was reading about the growing middle class and how there is going to, and the middle class is the um, biggest supporter of fast fashion, um, and how there's going to be a greater demand for clothing um, come 2050, it's projected. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that plays out. I think... um if fast fashion were to disappear, we would see a lot of the disappearance of trends and mm-hmm. our, the whole way that the fast fashion industry or the fashion industry in general would work would have a change because currently the fast fashion model works on a trickle down effect. So a very small amount of the population has runway and designer items and there is less of those created and then as those go out to the public for people to view and to consume more mainstream companies will take those trends and those styles and they will knock them off or they will amalgamate them into their collections that are coming out Mm -hmm. and send them out to the general public to be able to purchase And then within a month, they're in the sale section, which means that that trend is then accessible to pretty well everybody in the economy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like you would see the disappearance of that. And then I think you would kind of see runway and designer goods have less of a value and of an impact because... Mm -hmm people That's are like purchasing less field. yeah yeah mm-hmm. huh 
fun to think about. Mm -hmm. In a perfect world. <laughs> yeah. So we all take a little dream. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have been bringing this up in every single episode, but it's so zeitgeisty. We have to look at it. Um, mm -hmm. How has COVID impacted the fast fashion system? Oh, I think it's impacted it in such a weird mm -hmm. way. Unexpected. I feel like in the positive and negatives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the negative way, um, when North America was in quarantine and lockdown, a lot of people were turning to online shopping to fulfill this mm -hmm. kind of need and desire. And so I, you see the uprise of places like Shein and mm -hmm. Misguided and Fashion Nova, um, those are having another upheaval because people are looking for that sense of normalcy in mm -hmm. buying clothes. And yeah. a quick point to touch on is the fast fashion industry online has become even worse than the fast fashion industry for bricks and mortars. Misguided releases a thousand products monthly and Fashion Nova releases 600 to 900 products and garments weekly. So they're mm, able so to skip, they're able to skip the bricks and mortar process, which cuts out part of the system, allowing them to bring clothing to consumers even faster. And so I think we've seen an uprise in that again, which is definitely on the negative side. Mm -hmm. How do you even get like two, like 600 new ideas a week? I don't know, man. It's either your ideas must be really, really bad or you've got a heck of a good design team. But I'm assuming <laughs> yeah, it's really bad designers? design. <laughs> Jeez, that's a lot of. Yeah, and that's also designs, not garments made. Think about how many garments made that would be. Right. Yeah, that's true. In six hundred styles, and then put sizes in. Yeah, skews how many colors, how many sizes, mm -hmm. and then how many of those you're producing per size and color. It it's an enormous number. And Fashion Nova has a pretty decent size range. Yeah, they they are. Extended sizing. Extended sizing, yes. So that would be about eight, like eight different sizes. Yeah. And then pant sizes would be more. Oh, it hurts me. Thinking about how many pieces of clothing that is. Oh, yeah. I wanted to bring up another negative. Then maybe, Erica, if you had a positive, you can I don't end know this question that. on a light <laughs> note. <laughs> um, I read that... In March, it was estimated that 1.4 billion worth of payments were cancelled by brands in Bangladesh alone for production orders because the way that most of the fast fashion system works is brands, fashion brands, pay, pay once the um, product has been produced. So companies just cancelled orders and Bangladesh lost all of that work. And if you think, oh, that's overseas, like that doesn't really affect us. Garment workers in LA are, have lost work too when LA was struck very badly and still is by COVID. Um, and they're not eligible for unemployment benefits because of the underground 
off the um, off the books on nature of the industry there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very sad. And even then, you we've seen an impact on just supplies in general for the fashion industry. A lot of our notions and materials Mm. are made and elastic is a huge one with the upheaval of making masks for face coverings Mm -hmm. they production was shut down in uh offshore countries and has kind of stopped or slowed the process Mm -hmm. of creating garments which is a kind of a double-edged sword which is because it's phenomenal that we kind of had a moment of pause in that industry mm-hmm. to kind of stop creating. But mm-hmm. then people are losing money. Their livelihood is going out the door. They are unable to to um, support their family. And in a time mm-hmm. of a pandemic where having shelter, a clean shelter, food and clothing is so important. So I think that the point that I wanted to bring up could be seen as positive or negative. Um, Depends on how you want to look at it. Um, But we've also seen a lot of fast fashion clothing companies shutting down and going bankrupt Uh right now, which I personally view as a positive um, because there's too much clothing in the world, needs to slow down. And if there's a handful of fast fashion companies that can no longer produce clothing. I think that's a good thing because that means less clothing coming out, less places for people to feel incentivized to buy things. Um, but on the other side, you could think it's a negative because then lower income families might not be able to afford clothing that they were buying. And during a pandemic, it's important to have things be accessible to everyone. So it's kind of up for debate if that's positive or negative. And it's hard because a lot of those families and people would normally turn to thrift shopping and Mm -hmm. such when that's not accessible or super safe right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now that things are opening up more, we're seeing a little bit of a change in that, but it is still risky. Yeah. It's a privilege to not shop fast fashion. That was another... I read an article researching for this and um, someone was looking at the opposite perspective than we're looking at because we're obviously speaking quite biased tonight. Um, But there's a group of people where, um, a large group of people where fast fashion is just the only option um, because of any certain reason, whether it be sizing, a need for religious or disability wear um, where you just can't thrift um, and that's the only viable option. I think another big group of people to put in there is children Um, just because a lot of people don't want to spend a hundred dollars on their kids jeans when they're going to grow out of them in two months so for a lot of people buying fast fashion is super important for all of their kids. Moving on, um, how have you guys noticed, I think there's been a big shift in the past 
few years. How have you noticed a shift in the fast fashion system, positive or negative, or how do you, would you like to see a shift happen? Um, I think the shift that we're seeing is a little bit fake, if I can say that. Um, a lot of it is greenwashing and trying to mm-hmm. convince consumers that they're doing the right things, but in reality, they're just putting out some good marketing material, putting out one collection every year that's sustainable, with quotation marks, obviously. Um, (laughs) And it makes the consumer really think that they're making changes because lots of consumers don't know the difference between greenwashing and actually making the changes. Which I guess, like, obviously is a negative because greenwashing is not okay and we want to be giving people the truth and the facts so that they can make Mm -hmm. informed decisions for the environment and for society and for themselves but kind of playing devil's advocate Mm -hmm. if companies are being pushed to make those fake sustainable or greenwashed sustainable lines that means that consumers are more aware of the impact that their Mm -hmm. clothing has And so they, consumers are wanting to make a change. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of where we're getting the ball rolling, but then we're at a stopping block with greenwashing and Mm -hmm. consumers aren't sure what to believe and what not to believe in in the realm of marketing. And so we have a long way to go on that and we need to make a big push towards, um, looking at certifications and looking at the real hard facts and truths of where our clothes are coming from and how they're created, but the people want it. Yeah. And I think kind of touching on that point of people wanting the change, I think that because people are pushing for this change in the next five to 10 years, we might actually see actual changes and shifts happening in the fast fashion industry where they are making more ethical choices and they are choosing better materials and treating people fairly in their workplaces. But that's also just because of the nature of how fast fashion works and how far in advance they work sometimes for different parts of the clothing. It's going to take time. It's going to take five to 10 years to see any sort of change just because of the nature of the system which is why we urge you to please educate yourself, listen to our greenwashing episode, um, and vote with your vote with your dollar, because your dollar yes. matters when it comes to stores. Boycott stores that you don't believe in and aren't telling you the truth or unethical, because it and will make questions. a difference. Yes, ask the questions. If they can't answer your questions, don't buy it. Exactly. Something I've noticed in a shift is um, peer-to-peer resale is gaining a lot of popularity, especially while people have been in quarantine and cleaning out their closets. Sites like Depop um, are more accessible than bringing your stuff into consignment shops right now because... Mm -hmm. I think the younger demographic too, like teenagers are asking, mm-hmm. why would you buy fast fashion if you can buy something better like vintage or 
higher end or designer or something. Mm -hmm. um, and it's used online on Depop or something or Poshmark um, mm -hmm. at low prices as well. Or even like the real real and mm -hmm. um, thread up. Thread yeah. up, yes. I think yeah. there's a big surge in um, borrowing clothes. That's mm -hmm. becoming a big market. Um, Rent the Runway is a great site to look at. I think that another reason that all of these teenagers and young people are getting into this idea of buying used clothing on like Depop or borrowing their friends' clothing is also a mentality shift in generations because older generations don't like to buy used clothes because that's the idea that you don't have enough money to buy your own, your own clothes. You have to wear someone else's clothes. And it's kind of how it's, affects how people view you but with this generation I don't think people have the same view on it they don't really think that buying secondhand clothes makes you quote-unquote poor or of a different social class it's a just a completely different thinking so I'm gonna leave this conversation kind of open-ended because we're going to keep this conversation going. We all have so much to say on the fast fashion topic. If you have any suggestions on what we should talk about in the, about the fashion, fast fashion industry, or if you have any questions about what we said in today's episode and you need more clarification, please go to our Instagram, send us a DM or comment on our most recent post and we will be sure to get back to you and help you out with that or give you resources to learn more. So be excited in the future for us to talk about things like social, environmental impacts mm -hmm. and potentially more. Um, I hope you learned something today and maybe made you question your shopping habits and we will catch you next Monday. Bye. Bye. Bye! Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at where do we even start? And we'll catch you next Monday. Bye! Bye.